Welcome into another episode of Automatic, and this one might be a little bit different than we've ever done before, Steffi, because we know it's the craziness of March Madness, but you talking about crazy, we've got you connecting as you just flew in, you're in your car, driving back to your house right now, <laughs> so <laughs> this is the best way we could connect, and hey, and it's okay, we're using Riverside.fm, and we're not being paid to promote that or, or anything, but this is a great platform to be able to to connect uh, for these podcasts and still try to have some good audio quality, but the main thing is, Steffi, right now, you need to be focusing on the road. Don't be looking at the video, you just focus on <laughs> straight ahead, okay? <laughs> I'm looking straight. I'm looking straight, 10 and 2. Some Sometimes there is pain in traveling, and I experienced that in the last, like, 24 hours for one of my conference championship games that I did yesterday, the Summit League, up in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. <laughs> and my boss forgot to tell me Sunday as I was wrapping up SEC tournament, oh, I need you to go to South Dakota. Oh, not an easy uh, place to get to. So I spent... Um, a night at home after the tournament on Sunday, and then I flew out around 10. Didn't land until uh, like 8 p.m. in Sioux Falls. Had a five-hour delay in Chicago. I don't know what it's like. I've never been stuck in Chicago, uh, Rich, but it was. they keep it like a cellar. <laughs> and I'm in a little tiny dry fit, pull, pull over, praying for the flight. To, I, I, I was absolutely miserable. Um, and then, uh, I drove to Minneapolis after the game. Okay. Everyone's following along my journey of travel, drive all the way over there and my flight's delayed for the next day. And they say, I can't get home and I've got stuff to do today. <laughs> and I'm like, I just, you, you want to jump off a bridge at that point. And, uh, of course. a tra uh, one of our ESPN has ter terrific travel help. And, uh, he got me like the last flight. Last seat on a flight on United this morning at 6.30, and uh, I just landed. I'm ready to roll. We, I, it was yes, a hell are. of a week. Too much, to too much to talk about. I didn't buy the $6 bang at the at – the, uh, that's a whole other ball game we can get into. Yeah, no, hey, I saw you post something about that. So it is it is highway robbery at the airports, the prices that they charge for items these days. You know, Rich, I really think I should get, get into some sort of docu-series on the theft that's going on at airports because <laughs> I also paid $8 for a latte this morning. $8 Eight? for a coffee. I should have documented that. It's coming. I, it, I'm working on it. It's, an, it's a small side project of just the absolute buffoonery we see. <laughs> yes, agreed. That's why I go black coffee. And even black coffee at the airport, though, is like $5, so... <laughs> Five dollars for a black coffee? It's about that much, yes. It sure is, yes. It's insane. You still pay for it? You still pay for that? I do. Yeah, you paid your eight dollars for your latte. Yeah, I did. I'm an yeah. idiot. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> That's the life of traveling. But you are dedicated. You are still here on the podcast because there is a lot to talk about with college basketball. And I'm just going to jump right in, though. I know you okay. are going to sit back and drive for a little bit, but I do want to get your thoughts. And the elephant in the room, I think, goes back to Saturday and just what we saw in Durham at yeah. Cameron Indoor Stadium. And I should have known. I cannot believe I fell into that trap that you think things are going to go perfect in life and life throws monkey wrenches 
in <laughs> your plans all the time. We see it, and I can't believe I got sucked into thinking that, oh, there's no way that Duke's going to let, you know, the players are going to let uh, Coach K walk out of there with a loss to North Carolina, his last game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. And you should have seen it coming, or I think I should have seen it coming just even during the broadcast when you see Kansas and <laughs> Texas going to overtime, right? And it's delaying everything. And I just think that was the precursor to what we saw. And you're talking about a team that came out there on a mission, and that was North Carolina. Yeah. They said, to hell with this. This is not going to happen on our watch. Who cares that Duke beat us by 20 earlier in their season? They came out there and was ready to go. You know, I, I had spent all week in Nashville for the SEC tournament for the women's game, but that that game was so important. I finished up one of my days just before I watched the whole game. I knew the outcome, but I, I wanted to go. I just wanted to watch. I knew it was going to be a spectacle. And uh, I want to I ask you, you know, what stood out to you outside of the game? We can talk the game. I just think, you know, young, just way too, way too over their heads, and they just didn't bring it. You know, they just didn't. You know, favorite part was after the game when Coach K took the mic and he said, it's unacceptable. Let me talk. <laughs> that was my absolute favorite part of the whole entire show. And he didn't just say, let me talk. He told the Cameron crazies, be quiet. He basically told them to shut up <laughs> that he wanted to get his point across that it was unacceptable, and that was obviously unscripted, wasn't part of the program, and I love that as well. It was a little awkward that he, you know, was telling everybody to be quiet, but that's Coach K, and that's just the way he is. He wanted to get his point across, and I guess it was just awkward because the Cameron Crazies were trying to clap and say, it's almost, it's okay, Coach K, you know, that that you lost. We still love you and respect you, but that just shows you how competitive Coach K is, that he was not happy with how that played out. But again, Steffi, that goes back to the whole point. We should have seen this coming, that this was far for the course, that life throws shit like that in your way. And the best laid plans, they don't come to fruition. They just don't. Yeah. So what was your thought? Like, what stood out to you when they showed all the many faces of former players you know, throughout the broadcast of those looking on and uh, the brotherhood and every there was so much going into that game outside of just the actual game. I'd be curious when you were you were watching all the faces in the crowd, what what stood out to you the most about that game? What stood out to me when I'm seeing all those players, I'm like, damn, there's been some dudes that have played yeah. at Duke, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, wow. That is one hell of a program over the years, regardless you know, of how many national championships that they've won. Just the players that have been through that program. I mean, it's remarkable when you look at it. It really is. Going all the way back to the 80s. I mean, you talk about that first recruiting class with Jay Billis and Johnny yeah. Dawkins uh, and Mark Allery. I mean, those type of guys, I mean, it's insane. And then fast forward to the game Saturday night, and you've got Trevor Kills, A.J. Griffin, you know, Paulo Bancaro, Mark Williams. I mean, Duke has been a program, and it's amazing that he's been able to have that type of consistency for 42 years, Steffi. That's a long-ass time 
to continue bringing in those type of players? You know, Rich, I was uh, thinking about all the players that were more emotional. Spent four years with Coach K and how we probably won't ever have that in college athletics, you know, on the basketball side. I thought about Grant, JJ, um, Shane Battier, like these guys that spent years in the trenches with Coach K. And a lot of the guys now just spend one. And it's like you cannot, you'll never be able to duplicate that bond that they had with him. And that was like kind of my takeaway in watching the game is like, well, we probably won't ever have this. You know, that's why it was so special to go back and watch because we're celebrating a coach, but you're, you're seeing all these players and how like the impact that he, I can only imagine, I mean, four years with coach K, you know, uh, versus one or two, I'm sure it's not, it's not, uh, like you don't have an impact after a year, but just like, we won't have that. And it's just different. It's special. It's special. That was probably my biggest takeaway when I'm watching all these legends and I'm like, damn, Duke was always so like, they just were so good had so many good players like I hated JJ Reddick I hated <laughs> JJ Reddick because I am a Tar Heel um, at heart fun fact fourth grade my mom put me in a free throw competition because my brother was in sixth grade and they let me go in because they figured I was in fourth grade I wouldn't win I made and you shoot 10 free throws and if you you know best percentage one well I made all of them I suck at free throws. I don't know how I made them, okay? <laughs> but they wouldn't give me the trophy because I'm not, I wasn't a student at the middle school. So um, they gave me a UNC jersey and it was Antoine Jameson's jersey. So I've always been a Tar Heel fan. That was the first jersey I really, really ever had. Was that better than getting a trophy? My dad went back and uh, had, had a trophy made for me, like a sweetie pie. <laughs> <laughs> Of course he did. For his little princess, of course. But Nice job with the free throws, though. But, Rich, given the all the hoopla around that game and the prices of the tickets, how about, how about North Carolina? How about them playing spoiler? I mean, I guess we kind of talked about it last week. Duke was going to take care of business, send K- Coach K out the right way. But this is what I'm talking about this year. If you don't bring your shit, it'll get swatted. And that's what happened to them. I mean, they just did not have it um, to finish the game. And, I, you know, it, it was a, obviously a huge win for them. And I think maybe just moving forward, you know what I mean? Just like in, in terms of their, yes. their coach and their program to be able to do that. You know, that made them happy. <laughs> oh, big time. I mean, Tar Heel Nation was absolutely going crazy after that. And I just saw the way the game was playing out, North Carolina – came out there and they hit Duke pretty hard. Duke responds and then you're thinking, okay, here comes Duke. They're going to finish it out and North Carolina is going to falter under the pressure here in in Cameron. And for North Carolina to close it with that big shot at the end of halftime to two points, 41 to 39, I think that was the moment where North Carolina said, hell, we took their best shot and we're standing right here. Let's go get this thing in the second half. And that's exactly what they did. And to your point earlier about that Duke with the young players, when you look at the Trevor Kills, A.J. Griffin, Paulo Bancaro, all true freshmen, I just don't think they were ready for that moment because that's a lot of pressure right there to not only beat your rival in North Carolina, but then in that big of a moment where you know it's not just those 9,000 people 
people across the country, millions of people are watching that game and seeing how you're going to perform. And uh, I, I think it was just too much, too big for those guys to be able to do it in North Carolina. It just wasn't backing down. And then Duke, they couldn't stop them in terms of dribble yeah. penetration. Yeah. They just couldn't play defense on them at all. Yeah, I, I think that's why, too, why Coach K, unacceptable, you know, just <laughs> unacceptable. Exactly. Let me talk. That's right. Um, do you think that that game kind of makes the ACC tournament interesting, or do you still see it as Duke's the clear-cut favorite? I think it's both. So I still think it's Duke's clear-cut favorite to win it, but I think it does make it interesting because, again, now there's a chance that Duke and North Carolina could meet back up in the finals. And how fantastic would that be, especially for the ACC to have some exposure like that, to revisit for the third time the Duke-North Carolina rivalry for the ACC championship? I mean, that would be – I mean, that you couldn't script that any better – if you're Jim Phillips, the commissioner of the ACC, that's exactly what you want is to see both of those teams back in the finals. Uh, and I, I think it's a big shot in the arm if, if that could happen for the ACC. Uh, but I still think it's Dukes to lose. And especially after that loss, I wonder if yeah. it's one of those type of yeah. situations where it's like, there's your wake up call, guys. You thought you were coasting and not so fast, my friend. I think it's Dukes. I think it's theirs to lose. Uh, I, I think the SEC men's tournament is a free-for-all. I mean, yes. I don't know what's going to happen 1, there. I know, I know. Uh, my partner in crime, Andrea Carter, she's boots on the ground at the ACC tournament, so she'll be on the sidelines for that. Um, and I, Alyssa Lang will be at the SEC tournament. Those are my two co- my partners in crime um, on the women's side. But I think, I, I don't, <laughs> the SEC men's tournament, Talking to some of our producers and directors who do, who who stay in Nashville and work the men's tournament, the, the tiebreakers just going into that final weekend for the seating, it was so close. Like the, it, it was like it was they were really getting into the nitty gritty of who was going to be faced, uh, who was going to be placed where, and what outcome. And so I, I'm really looking forward to watching that as well. Yeah, it's splitting hairs in the SEC. Literally, uh, it, yeah, it really is. And I think the same way in the Big Twelve. Uh, I, I think that's a, a the same type of scenario. I, I do think Kentucky, in my opinion, would be the favorite as long as they're 100% healthy. If Ty Ty Washington and Severe Wheeler are healthy, then I think they've got a good shot uh, as far as upsetting. Uh, you know, say they meet Auburn in the finals, uh, that they they could beat Auburn. But I believe they're a three seed. Auburn might. They are a three seed. seed. Yeah. They are. Yes, exactly. Rich, let me talk about Coach Cowell for a second because I saw him this weekend um, in Nashville. He came to the women's championship. (laughs) I don't know if you know this story or not. (laughs) He was cheering. I saw him in the crowd. He was cheering so hard for Kentucky (laughs) when Drea Edwards, uh, when when Edwards hit the three, his Rolex flew off his wrist. It's his lucky Rolex. He lost it. He lost it? What? He reaches out on Twitter. So I lost my Rolex. It's my it's my lucky Rolex. He needs it for the tournament. Kyra Elsey, the women's coach, finds it and gives it back to him. I mean, oh my not, only, not only does she pull off the unthinkable, no one, no one saw that coming. They beat the number one team. Win four games in the tournament, and then she finds Coach Cal's watch. 
Rolex. Oh my gosh. Um, how about that game? I watched it. In- incredible. You were there firsthand. How did it feel being there live? Oh man, I think it was like if I could describe the two teams, Rich, and 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 you, and you can kind of allude to a few teams on the men's side because obviously I was so dialed into that tournament of who's really caught hot as of late. But I think Iowa on the women's side, Caitlin Clark, they are the one of the hottest teams in Kentucky. Kentucky had won nine straight, and I think the most connected teams are the ones winning. And everybody on their roster, they just – it's a vibe, Rich. I can't explain it. South Carolina it can be business transactional, right? I think that's why, like, um, the emotions were so high after – for Kentucky because one, I mean, nobody thought that they would be there, but they were just so connected. I mean, from the head coach to the assistant coach, to the trainer, all crying, never seen anything like it. All crying. Wow. Right after the game, Rich. I mean, I'm grabbing, I've, you know, I've got to run out there and grab a player and there's tears from every single person. And I, I had an, I had an experience in my own right with my interview um, I saw it. <laughs> sure, I'm sure you want to ask about it, so you can whatever you want to yes. ask. Go ahead. <laughs> you had to. It seems like I mean, you had to be forceful to keep <laughs> Edwards there. Like you were, you were not letting her go. She was trying to run away, wasn't she? So I've had so many people ask me about this interview. I, in the moment, Rich, I swear, like I didn't really think two things of it. I knew she was going to be uh, hype, like hyped. She just hit the game-winning shot, you know. But we went from grabbing Don Staley to doing the trophy present, you know, like maybe people didn't anticipate and then the shot. And all I hear is grab Edwards, grab Edwards. And this is how television works. So I'm, I run on the court and they're all on top, you know, they're, it's a free for all. I grab her scooper with my left arm, Rich scooper. And I asked the first question and <laughs> I was like, okay, I didn't really think anything. I wanted to put my arm around her to kind of, let her know it's okay if she's crying or, you know, like just a reinforcement. But once you try to back up now, <laughs> if I didn't, if I didn't work out, if I didn't work out, that interview would have ended. Honestly, I, I, you know, I watched it back and I go, wow, I really, I should grab the shit out of her to keep her there. <laughs> and I got two more questions out of it. So it was all about her. Uh, she didn't take my microphone. I already teased her about it. I said, you know, she tried to on the second question. She grabbed my mic. It's a no-no in broadcast. I, I had that thing, death grip. You're not going to take it from me. <laughs> she let go. She knew. She knew. <laughs> but it was, uh, Rich, it was just unbelievable. Um, you know, Kyra has been through a lot with Matthew Mitchell when he was at Kentucky. And he uh, they had an exodus of like six players, coaches left, of huge fiasco at Kentucky. She stayed and, you know, they hadn't won a tournament, SEC tournament in 40 years. So I think, I think in kind of the conversation about Duke, they were embarrassed. South Carolina was definitely embarrassed. Yes. This was theirs. I mean, you know, shake hands, congrats, you know, hold up the trope. That was, that was what it was going to be. So I think it's good. I think it's good for South Carolina because I think everyone was starting to think for on the women's side, it was just going to be South Carolina and everybody else. Because at times, I mean, when you walk, when you look at their lineup, I'm not talking about about Rich a men's team. I'm talking about a lineup that can go six five, six seven, six four, six two, six foot. That's not a men's team's lineup. That is a women's team. 
It's not even fair. I call I call it a cheat code. Yes, it is a cheat code. But you know, strategically, I think down the stretch, like she kind of, Don Staley had to go a little bit smaller because Kentucky was just shooting. You know, there's obviously mat- matchups. You go against a team that can stretch it out. That's you know, kind of pick and pop, which is how Edwards got open. Um, but I think it's good. I think it was great for basketball. I thought it was great for women's basketball. Um, obviously, South Carolina doesn't think that. But, you know, losses can help and they can reveal things. And I don't know. I'm here for it. I think it's going to be, I, you know, we talked about upsets. I didn't necessarily think South Carolina was going to get upset when I made that prediction. No, me either. <laughs> but, they, you know, they certainly did. Um, but that's why we love March Madness. That's why we love college basketball. And I've even been posing the question that does college basketball give us or provide us with the greatest finishes in sports because of how, you know, things can change just on a moment's notice on a big shot like that. And from hero to heartbreak, I mean, it's just within seconds. And I know you can obviously have crazy finishes in other sports, but I just don't see it as the same way with the emotions like you do in basketball and especially college basketball. That's a good point. I think, yeah, because it's, are you comparing other sports? Yes, I am actually comparing it to other sports. And, you know, looking at uh, another game that just happened locally where I am in Asheville, North Carolina, that was in the Southern Conference Tournament with Chattanooga in overtime beating Furman. And just the emotional roller coaster ride, Furman hits a big three-pointer, descended into overtime, and then in overtime, they get a layup from the same guy, Mike Bothwell, with four seconds to le- left in the game to go up by two, and you think the game's over. There's four seconds, and Chattanooga's got to inbound the ball, and then David Jean-Baptiste hits a 30-footer to win the game. And what a crazy roller coaster ride of emotions for both teams. And I just... You see those type of plays, and that's just not the only one. I mean, how many have we seen over the years in oh, college yeah. basketball like that? I mean, it's crazy. I think there's like there's a lot of factors. Just thinking about off the top of my head, Rich, it's like proximity proximity to the court. You you feel more connected to players than like a football stadium. The you know the quickness and you know who gets possession is so much faster. Um, and basketball where like two threes, boom, boom. And like the momentum's completely changed. Um, and then just like the buzzer beaters, you know, I, I saw that buzzer beater. And then I think, uh, in the women's side, the Patriot league Navy beat Holy cross, who was the one seed. And the one seed is just like thinking we're going to the tournament. It's like, you're out. Exactly. If you don't win this game, you're out. You're out. And, um, it's just so fun to, I can't, I literally can't wait for both tournaments, you know, March Madness on both ends. Because you know it's going to happen in the big dance as well. I mean, we see it every year. And, you know, that's why I, I, I'll kind of flip back. My team of the week was North Carolina for what they did. And also that's coming off of a, a win against Syracuse before that uh, Duke game. So a big opportunity for North Carolina now to carry that momentum. And then my player of the week was uh, David Jean-Baptiste for – 
that game-winning shot. I mean, and this is a guy, 6'1", 195 pounds. He's been at Chattanooga since 2016 because he redshirted uh, one year. And (laughs) yes, so he's been a guy that has been part of that program for a long time. And in fact, he's been there at Chattanooga longer than eight of the 10 head coaches in the Southern Conference have been there. <laughs> he is a, he is a coach, basically. Can I ask you something? Because I don't, I don't want to misspeak, but was he the same player that missed the shot earlier in the game and then hit the game winner? But a different... Uh, no, so it was a different player that got his shot blocked ah. uh, there in overtime. Yes. Okay. Uh, but it, it, it was interesting that uh, how... Head coach Lamont Paris actually didn't call a timeout at the end of regulation when Furman hits the tying three-pointer and he tries to go down court and score and he gets the block the shot blocked. And then he's his philosophy is he was not going to call timeout with even four seconds. He was just gonna let his players just try to create some chaos. And they were able to do that, obviously, offensively, and and Baptiste hits the big 30-foot shot. From the Ingalls logo. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. So close, you know. Oh, man. I know. That's, that, the buzzer beaters are just, it's part, it's part of basketball. And I think that's why we draw such a big crowd in March. Because really, it's, <laughs> you think about shots like that. The Edwards shot in the SEC tournament. The kid from Navy who hit the shot against Holy Cross. I mean, I, I, um, I've i got to give my team of the week to Kentucky. Uh I, I was a close second for me because they've been on an absolute tear. Uh, Caitlin Clark, you know, we know we're a big fan of Caitlin Clark. Um, but I think that what Kentucky was able to do um, all season long, South Carolina has been so dominant. And for Ryan Howard, a potential number one draft pick to get an SEC tournament championship is just the way nobody goes, plays on uh, Thursday and wins the whole thing. I mean, that's not. That's not, and when you're going up against the deepest team in the country, and you've really exactly. only got seven players, it they just it just it took real guts. And yeah, because I thought the game was over there in the fourth did. quarter as well. Most people yes, did. It seemed that okay, South Carolina's got it, and then Kentucky just did not go away. Um. Yeah, and you know, uh, I they just I, I was in a lot of Kentucky huddles, and they were all just like. One play at a time. We got this. Let's take a break. Like, there was never any, like, I never sensed any panic. And so when I talked to them after the game and I was doing their trophy celebration, you know, they were all just like, we never doubted. And, you know, you hear people say that, but, you know, when when someone doesn't and it shows. Um, One thing, Rich, that was really nice, fans, fans in the stands, interviewing without masks. It was just nice, you know. Of course. It was just nice. It felt like normal. I just the tournament that I just did up here in South Dakota had 8,000 fans for women's game at two o'clock on a Tuesday. Just business, you know, it was, it was amazing. Great environment. Isn't that, that's what makes college basketball and the March madness even more special is when you do have the fans and how we talk about, you know, the emotions that go into it in these, you know, buzzer beaters or these big upsets. There's also, you, the feeling that you get because of the energy of the fans there as well. And the one of the loudest guys was Coach Cow. 
screaming his ass off. <laughs> oh, I mean, they didn't have, they didn't travel a ton, but they were loud. And I think that they kept Kentucky in the game and, you know, South Carolina traveled well, but just, just watching, you know, Cameron indoor and how, how many fans got to be, you know, it was just, it was nice. It was good. Uh, it was Yes. The, the country's obviously going through a lot and it's sometimes we galvanize and we gather around these moments and we can we can bond together and that's why I love sports. That's why I love it. That's why I do it. You know, it's a nice break from the $8 yes, coffee. Yes, exactly. I mean that's that that's why you're grinding out there and jumping on this podcast as you're just flying in from South Dakota <laughs> and nothing seems to be going right for you but you are dedicated and that's why my automatic for the week is going back to just the emotional side of things. And this is at your alma mater. It's with Florida oh, and oh. what the men's team was able to do with Keontae Johnson, getting the ceremonial start and going out there and seeing him then bend down, you know, kiss the logo there at half court and you just the motion with that. And he talked about just how emotional he was, you know, about that and being part of that. I mean, you just, you can't script that at all. And that's again, just part of why we love sports and those type of scenarios playing out like that, where he hasn't been able to play since December of 2020 because of obviously the heart uh, issue and him collapsing. And I just thought it was an unbelievable moment there uh, in Gainesville. Chills chills watching that that was an awesome moment for key and i know everybody in gator nation was just uh, emotional i think everyone was obviously so scared with everything that happened and to see him take the court and and the gesture i wasn't expecting that it was just i don't know there's a lot of emotions surrounding that um i love the dead i'm glad you brought it up i'm glad you brought it up it was definitely uh, touching i you know i think that's a good word for it um and I want to kind of, I kind of want to stick with uh, Florida if I can. Um, two things with them. One was with the SEC tournament. Kelly Ray Finley getting the job. She was interim all year. She is a she is in the conversation for a Naismith National Coach of the Year as an interim head coach. And she finally signed her contract just before the SEC tournament. Okay. That being said. Um, they lose Kiki Smith, their best player. Oh, I I was calling the game with Tamika Ketchings, the Tennessee great. And a player like that who didn't have to come back, came back, felt like she believed in Kelly, what she stood for. She had improved her draft stock. She was on a she's on a bunch of mock drafts. And in a and in a blink, Rich, every everything changes. And um you know, my automatic is that I know that she'll bounce back. You know, it's it's stuff like that really puts life in perspective because as a young kid, you're thinking riding this high, you know, like we're going to do big things. She was really excited going into that tournament, into the NCAA tournament where she could even boost her stock more and do something with the Gators. And she was absolutely, absolutely devastated. I don't even think she could come to terms with what had happened. Probably not. That was tough. I mean, it's, it's not like, I know, you know, I know Kiki, it's not, you know, she is a Gator. Yeah. But your heart just goes out to someone who's worked so hard and really believed in something. And then you watch them, you know, and she was pounding the ground and you go, ah, 
no one, no, I'm telling you this, I I was doing all the games, all those players in between games. You heard anything about Kiki? Is Kiki okay? Ryan Howard. Wow. I saw Kiki on the way in. She says she's okay, you know, so she'll she'll bounce back. I know that um, a lot of people are wishing her well. Not sure if this will get to her. I, you know, I need to reach out to her. But nonetheless, Rich, when you're up close and personal with something like that and you see it go down, you're just like, you feel for him. You feel for him. Yes. I mean, you've been in part of those huddles. You've been part of that team. You understand, uh, you know, what all that means. And then you have that true empathy. And then just the sympathy that you have also uh, as a now you know, outside of the program, but still a, a part of it. And the heart breaks for those type of situations. Yeah. Didn't anticipate to do several tearful interviews of in my week during Nashville, but I did. I got, <laughs> when, <laughs> yes, they, exactly. when they were able to win uh, the first game after Kiki Smith got hurt, you know, the, the team was absolutely distraught. I mean, the second the horn went off, they only led for eight seconds. And, you know, even Kelly was, she was crying. She, thankfully she, she was crying. I know she was. <laughs> That's why I texted you that picture. That was, I mean, just the power yeah. of, of you interviewing her and and the emotion as she's, you know, in tears and hugging her player and t- trying to talk to you. I mean, it was just incredible. Yeah. I hope you get to meet her. She's um, definitely a, a special person. Uh, and I'm really glad the league, uh, we have her in the league. And uh, I think she's going to do great things. You know, obviously it just was a heartbreak for Florida. But, you know, on the flip side, seeing Key kiss the court, it was just kind of, you know, it was it was good to see. Yes. It was good to see. I mean, that was really, really scary. Really scary when it happened. And um, it was just. I, I love that they're talking to uh, Key uh, after, the you know, all the happened and after the game and he's talking about how pregame he was trying to get a dunk in before the trainers came out there <laughs> saw him out there I'm like of course <laughs> he just wants to be a part of it again he yeah. just wants to you know be out there with his dudes yeah. right uh, <laughs> so I just thought that was classic I think I think sports just matter um, so much you know there was a picture that I shared and it was um, Edwards after my interview, Dre, and she's just in tears, my hands on her back. And it's like, you can't tell me like this stuff doesn't matter to people. Like it does. I know. It's just a game. I'm like, you yes. invest your life into it and see if you don't cry after a huge win or cry after a huge loss. I'm sure there was tears in the South Carolina locker room too. Um, of course there was. Or cry when you see a teammate, you know, get injured or you see a teammate like he you know, have an opportunity to get a ceremonial start uh, just to be, you know, have a little bit of normalcy again. All right, Steffi. Well, I I think we have made it to the end of the podcast and hopefully you didn't have any driving issues again, doing yeoman's work, flying in, jumping on the podcast, (laughs) A, a true grinder out there for us. But that is it for us as Selection Sunday is only days away And if you haven't already, please follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and let us know your thoughts by rating and reviewing. And as always, thanks for investing your time to listen. This is Automatic.